act of discernment for women who feel satisfied, they ask themselves, is this even about me? Meaning, before they even go about making decisions, they first discern if they actually need to be involved in this situation or not. There is just so much that we are made to witness. We are not meant to engage with everything. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Bain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Why, hello there. It's your gal, Carly, back for another episode of Messy and Magnificent. And I got to say, as I hear myself say this opening out loud for what is the 50-something time as we near almost our first year anniversary of Messy and Magnificent, it almost sounds like I'm an actual podcaster. Like It's starting to sound like I know what I'm doing for a living. And that is a really sweet, sweet thing. And I just want to give a shout out to everybody who's starting something new or in the process of considering starting something new and just remembering, you know, what it feels like to not have all the answers yet. In fact, that's exactly what today's podcast is about. So tell me if any of these questions are popping up for you. Questions that sound like, what should I be doing here? Meaning, should I be saying yes or no to this thing or this decision before me? Or I don't know exactly what my next step should be. Where do I even begin? Or maybe you know a question that sounds a lot like this one. This one comes up a lot for driven women. They often ask me questions that sound like, Carly, I'm exhausted. I have decision fatigue from making decisions all day long. So how do I even get the time or energy to get to the things that I want to be making choices about it when I'm just so drained? Now, if any of that is familiar, here's what I want you to know right off the bat. Women have not been taught how to make decisions. We have been taught how to default. Another way of saying that is we have been taught to default, not decide. When I say default, I mean default to the needs of the requests before us, so that when somebody asks us for something, we just default to that knee-jerk yes. Maybe you caught the episode we did, that great episode with Nancy Levin, number 32, where we talked about setting boundaries. I'll put a link to that in the show notes in case you haven't heard it yet or you need a boundary refresher. But it's just so easy to inadvertently or unconsciously say yes to something or just do what everybody else is doing because we don't want to make a fuss or maybe you're used to being the peacekeeper and you don't want to get people riled up or just kind of defaulting to whatever pattern or habit you've gotten used to doing. For example, if you're the person who swoops in to fix things for your coworkers, well, you might naturally default to doing that, even though it's Friday night and you'd love to be home with your family or gathered in a small group with your friends or just sipping tea on the sofa. So I want to point this out that we have never been taught how to make decisions where at least some of the information you're using to make those decisions is self-sourced. And when I say self-sourced, I mean coming from within yourself. So we can accidentally default to making decisions based on what seems easiest or most predictable 
or I want them to like me, or I want them to think I'm good enough, or I want them to respect me, or I want to earn a place at this new professional table. But when we default, we find that we don't like ourselves, or we actually don't feel good enough to ourselves, or we don't respect ourselves, or we get caught in a cycle of always feeling like we need to work harder and earn more. And this last one is all too common for driven women, because no matter how much we achieve, it's so easy to feel like there's more we must do if we've been operating from a place of default. When we default rather than decide, we start to get stuck in the default cycle where we find ourselves having to default again in order to feel better for a brief moment. But that leads to the same issue going round and round. For example, let's talk about maybe you are the person that is the go-to one for everybody. It's the end of the day and a coworker or family member asks you to help them with a problem that they're having. And you just want to relax. You just want to go home, right? Or at least walk away from your home office. But you genuinely like helping people and you like solving problems. So you default to saying yes and you help them and you feel good about that. But now it's 7 p.m. before you finish your workday and you're exhausted. So you order some takeout or pick it up on your way home. And by the time you unwind and sit down, all you can do is watch Netflix or do housework until it's midnight. And now you only get a few hours of sleep. So the next day when you return to work, you're kind of sluggish and you're feeling bad about not getting to do your best work because your brain is foggy and your body's heavy. So the next time somebody asks for help, you jump on it all over again because you know you're going to get a hit of feeling better, of feeling productive, of feeling valuable for a moment. And there's that spiral all over again. See, as women, we've been taught that we aren't enough since we were in the single digits. So today, this conversation is about making decisions and it's really about your own up leveling. When I say up-leveling, I mean this is about perhaps generations of default thinking that have been modeled for you. So make no mistake about it. As we clarify the way you decide things, you will be reclaiming your time and your energy and your life and your best work. And you will be modeling a new way for other women to be in the world as well. So today we're talking about learning how to decide in such a way that you create a transformative legacy that is downright miraculous because this is both about you and it is about something even bigger. See, our ability to make the decisions that give us the career and the life and the dreams that we're after is a big deal. I'm going to be super clear. (laughs) I say this with no sense of ego, but this episode will change your life, especially if you don't just listen to it, but you actually take actions on some of the things we're about to talk about. Because what I'm about to share with you today is the tool that will give you everything you want. And I am not being grandiose here. This process that we're about to go over will make every decision you ever make a whole lot more clear. This process of discernment will guide you into the career or the elements of your personal life that are more beautiful than we can even yet imagine. And I say this with zero hype, and this isn't me crossing my fingers and hoping for the best. I'm going to share some great case studies during this episode, examples of real women and the shift to their decision-making process that has opened new doors for them on the spot. And I'll share some from my own life too. 
Now, we'd actually recorded this episode a week ago. And when it was time for me to send it to production, I actually decided to stop and re-record it. And here's why. This episode is going to come out around the time of the presidential election in the United States. And not everybody who listens to this show is in the United States. So big love to our growing audience around the world. In Australia and Japan, we're seeing so many more women tune in, and I'm so glad that you're here. But if you have an election where you are or you are a U.S. citizen, this particular episode is incredibly important. Because I have been, at first, really in awe of how people could choose to elect a president or follow any leader that is so clearly in it for their own gain, who doesn't care about the people that they're supposed to be leading, right? So a leader that just brings forth anger, distrust, divisiveness, conspiracy theories, more tension, more hate, more violence. How in the world do we get in a position where these are the folks in power. And I realize it all boils down to discernment. We have been taught to listen to external leaders rather than hear the truth within ourselves. And so whether we're talking about this election process or what decisions you need to make in this time of COVID when there isn't one strict set of guidelines that we can follow or any other time when you need to decide who you're going to trust, this concept of discernment It's not nice. It's not a treat. It's not something that we can afford to let go of. Your discernment is the root of your power. Let me be super duper clear though. When I say that this episode is going to make every decision more simple for you and more clear, I mean it. But it is not necessarily going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. And I want to give you an example of this. I had a woman recently reach out to me. She's had her own business for years. She's incredibly talented at what she does for a living. But like many people, you're really good at what you do for a living. But if nobody's taught you how to make money doing it, then you might not know how, right? So she hasn't figured out how to make enough money. So she was looking to hire me to help her bring in the revenue that she knows she's capable of having. But she said something really interesting to me in our first conversation, which gave me pause. She said, Carly, I just want to get this business off the ground so that everything will be so much easier for me. I just know that running my own business would allow me to be in a state of flow all the time. (laughs) I had to pause there for a second because I'm all for being in a state of flow. We talk about that here on a regular basis, but we do not start businesses or live into careers that we care about so that things can be easy. (laughs) If you want things to be easy, do not go start your own business. What we're talking about here, whether you are talking about a career that you care about, a business that you run, a household that you run, or just your own sense of agency, we step into the role of making the decisions we want, not because it's easy, but because we want to experience a life of excellence and integrity. We want to make sure that we have the income that allows us to fund what we believe in, whether it's the health of your family, your own health, social justice, increasing the quantity of life for ourselves and others. We do this work and it is work because we want to improve the quality of well-being in our community and in our global community. So make no mistake about it. When I talk about discernment, And what it takes to make the decisions that will give you what you're looking for next, it won't necessarily be easy. Because if it was easy, 
80% of Americans wouldn't be reporting that they don't like their job. <laughs> this isn't necessarily the easy work, but it is the inspired work. And when I say the inspired work, I'm talking about, you know, if you ever worked on a project, whether it was for fun, for pleasure, or it was for something that you were doing for work, where you were just totally in the zone, you're having the time of your life, all of a sudden you look up and you realize hours have passed by. <laughs> Maybe it's 2 a.m. when you realize, oh my gosh, I can't believe that time has flown as quickly as it has, because you were doing something that gave you life. That is inspired work. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, because as Glennon Doyle says, we can do hard things. And today's conversation about discernment is about doing that good work, that inspired work, the type of work you cannot wait to live into. This is the work that gives us back our time, our energy, and allows us to reach the areas in our career that we're ready to get into. Let me be specific today. Here's what we're going to do, because we're going to start what I hope is really a lifelong conversation. We're kicking off something here. This is not the end. This is the beginning of a conversation about your own discernment. And specifically, we're going to cover three main things. Number one, we're going to talk about why we don't know the answer to the questions or the decisions before us, because it almost always boils down to just one main thing. So I want to highlight the one main thing that causes us to not know the answers first so that we can address that. Then second, we're going to go over the four acts of discernment that women who feel satiated, meaning they feel satisfied with their careers and lives, they know. I want you to know these two. And then number three, we're going to go over a very simple step-by-step process for making the decision that you are ready to make right now and being genuinely excited about that decision because you know that it's the right one. So we're going to take a lot of the guesswork and the wishy-washiness and the hoeing and humming and hawing out of the equation and make sure that you feel very clear and very solid knowing that you have made the right decision moving forward. So we've got some inspiring work to do here. And my golly, it feels so good to know in our bones that we are making the right decisions. So as we get into this conversation, I want you to consider something that you are having to make a decision about right now. What is a question or a wondering that you are holding? Keep that in your mind as we go through this process together so that you can start to plug in the specific framework I gave you and apply it to where you're at right now. Now, before we dive into the framework, we got to pause for my favorite part of the show. I want to give a shout out to a listener. This listener came to us on iTunes, Meg Montgomery, 6918. She said, worth every second, five stars. Messy and magnificent is absolute fire. I feel inspired and uplifted after each and every episode. Absolutely love the inspiration and feeling of gratitude I get listening to Carly speak her magic. Pour yourself a cup of tea and dial in your best listening skills and soak up every word. Oh my gosh, Meg Montgomery. (laughs) I am soaking up your each and every word. It means so much to me to be in these types of conversations with you. And when you talk about speaking magic, that magic comes from exactly what we're about to cover today. It comes from having a relationship with our discernment. And so I just want to point out that I create these episodes, they come out once a week, but the magic happens when folks like you and everybody else who's listening in 
actually takes action on what we discuss. So just talking about these concepts, it's nice, doesn't lead to results. The results happen when we begin to live into them. And so thank you, Meg, for living into this work with me. And if you've been living in too, and you haven't left a review yet on iTunes, please go over there and do that. It helps the show be seen by more women, and it helps me be in conversation with you. I would love to give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. All right, let's talk about discernment and about making decisions. Now, first thing we're going to do here is that quick check-in about why we don't always know the answer to a question or a decision before us. Most of the time, when we don't know the answer, we don't know which way to turn with any specific situation. It's just because we don't have enough information yet. Doesn't mean something's wrong with you. (laughs) Doesn't mean you're clueless. It usually means you actually just don't have enough information by which to base your decision. Now, there's two main forms of information we're going to talk about here. There's external information and there's internal information. For a lot of us, external information is a little bit easier to process. So we're going to start there. So let me give you a real life example. One of my clients who runs a brick and mortar store, she's in a place now where it's time for her to hire a really good, dedicated, full-time assistant manager. She's been hiring up to this point, people who can do the job part-time. But the thing about part-time work is that they're oftentimes young, the folks that she's been hiring. And so at some point, they're going to get older, they're going to get clearer about what they might want to do for a living, and then they want a full-time job. And so she's realized, you know what? I need to make a decision here. Do I need to buck up and shelve forth the money that needs to be paid to somebody who could do this job full-time so that it would be worth it for them to stick around? But If I do that, I'm worried that I won't have enough money to pay myself and I don't want to be working for free. I can't sustain that forever. So here she is in this position and she came to me and she said, Carly, I'm not sure what I should do here. And we're going to have a great ongoing conversation about that between her and I. But what we want to be aware of here is she just might not have enough external information yet, meaning we need to know exactly how much would it cost to hire somebody in a full-time capacity? And how much money is the business bringing in right now? How much money does she need to make as the owner of this business? We actually need to sit down and look at the external information. That is going to help us in this decision-making process. So first things first, we just want to check in around, is there external information that I just don't have yet? That's causing me to be unclear about what decision I should make here and where do I need to go to get that external information. So another example of this could look like maybe you're considering taking a new job and you're not sure whether or not you should say yes to it. And we just want to pause and ask, do you have all the information you need in order to make that decision? Do you know when you would start? Do you know what the salary and the benefits are? Do you know what exactly is going to be expected of you? Do you know how many hours you're going to need to be putting in? What are the pieces of information that you would need to have listed in front of you to know that you are making an informed decision. So that's the external information. The other information we want to look at is the internal information. And this is that self-sourcing that I talk about. And we're going to go through a process for helping you uncover your internal information. And when I say internal information, I mean the information that you are sourcing from within yourself in order to help make a decision that works for you. Now we're going to go over a very specific process for how to tap into that internal information here in a moment. That's the third step that's really important here. But I just want to acknowledge that 
When we don't know how to make a decision, it is usually just because we don't have all the information we need in order to make it. So step number one is just being aware that if you don't know what to do, it's just because we need to collect a little bit more information. So let me take you through that process. As we talk about the second portion of today's conversation, So pay attention as I go through these four specific acts of discernment and see if you notice one that really speaks to you right now. It's not realistic, nor is it necessary for you to implement all four today. That would be trying to do too much. Rather, just keep an eye out and notice if there's one of these that's really catching your ear right now. And that's going to be the one where you want to just start. So act of discernment for women who feel satisfied, number one. They ask themselves, is this even about me? Meaning, before they even go about making decisions, they first discern if they actually need to be involved in this situation or not. Now, I have become increasingly aware over the past few years that there is just so much that we are made to witness. We are not meant to engage with everything. And so we must really practice learning to tell when it's time to let something just fall at your feet, like bricks, because they actually belong to somebody else. And if you think about this brick metaphor, if we picked up every single brick that was tossed our way, if we just held our arms open every single day to scoop up every potential request like brick that comes at us, every invitation, we would become so burdened. We would become so heavy. We wouldn't have the energy to show up for what it is that we do need to take action about. And I cannot tell you how many women tell me, Carly, before my feet even touch the floor in the morning, I feel like I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. And that weight is the weight of those bricks, those things that are not ours, that we are not meant to be carrying. So first things first, we must discern Is this opportunity, invitation, request, even about me? Now, let me give you an example here. One of my clients is a sports psychologist, and she had a realization a number of months ago when two of her family members, loved ones, were having a conflict, and they were both calling her up individually to ask for help. And it occurred to her for the first time, normally she would jump in and want to smooth out the water. She loves both of these people very much. She wants them to be on the same page. She wants them all to be able to gather and be close together. But she realized this particular issue they were having was not about her. It was only between the two of them. And she did not need to step in and smooth things out. That these were two capable human beings who were able to process this on their own and with each other. And she reported back the sense of delight and the new amount of time and free space she has because she's not jumping in to help everybody who's having a conflict resolve their conflict. She's not a mediator. That's not what she does for a living. And it's certainly not what she's meant to do in her personal life. So this is a great example here of where she just let the bricks fall. She was willing to feel the call from each person and let them vent and let them explain themselves, but she didn't jump in and try to fix it. She didn't try to moderate or mediate. She just let it be what it was because it wasn't about her. Now, this is such a great example because when we do this, when we discern whether or not something is about us and we recognize that it's not, that's an instantaneous opportunity to reclaim our time and our energy so that we can show up for the things that 
are hours to deal with, whether that's increasing your revenue or needing to hire and train somebody new or take care of your body. Or I'm going to talk specifically to the white women in our community here. It is our job to resolve and end and heal the racial injustice that happens in our world. And I know a lot of white people that know that it's their job. They want to be doing better, but they're exhausted from carrying all these bricks that aren't theirs. And so you can see how this act of discernment, it's both for us and it's for the greater humanity. It's for the greater good. And so I want you to consider here for a moment, can I just let this thing crumble before my feet? Or can I let somebody else pick up this brick because really it belongs to them in the first place? Because here's the deal. Women who thrive, we get okay with some things only being okay. (laughs) And we let many things fall to the ground because if the only way that something is going to stand up, the only way if something is going to work out is if we exhaust ourselves or sacrifice ourselves in order to do it, well then my dear, it's meant to crumble. It's time for it to fall to the ground. This structure or behavior or relationship or work that's causing you more burden or stress than is reasonable is meant to fall apart. And we have to have the courage to let that be what happens. Our careers cannot sustain us needing to balance on a ball all the time. So the goal is not to be on the ball. The goal is to get off the ball as often as possible so that you're not spending all day long like Atlas holding up structures that are actually meant to float in space. So active discernment number one, is this even my brick to carry or is this even about me? Do I need to be involved? And if so, on what level? Active discernment number two is to begin to discern what am I feeding myself? Meaning what am I ingesting? So let me give you the background behind this one. You might have heard that I grew up in a yoga ashram. And, you know, one of the many miraculous things about growing up in an intentional spiritual community like that is I had the opportunity to be around all of these people who were vegan and macrobiotic and eating super healthy way before that stuff was popular. And I noticed that some of them were really happy and healthy and other ones, not so much. Even though the food we eat, we all know that it affects our well-being. We know that we feel better and we make better decisions when we're eating well or we're giving our bodies what they need. That is not the only thing we ingest during the day. Our food alone is not enough. We also ingest mostly throughout the day what the Institute of Integrative Nutrition calls our primary food. Our primary food is not the actual food we eat. It's the thoughts that we ingest during the day. It's the music we listen to. It's the news that we read or hear. It's the people we're around. What am I ingesting during my day? And is it giving me life? The second act of discernment is to consider what fuels you. What am I feeding myself? Do I need to be feeding myself something that gives me more zest, that gives me more joy, that gives me more gumption or courage or chutzpah? Or am I noticing that I'm feeding myself a bunch of things that only make life harder, that only make me more fearful or more scared or more tense or more feeling like I have no ability to contribute? What 
are you feeding yourself? And more specifically, what would it look like if you gave yourself 3% more of what gives you life? For example, one of my clients who's a database creator, she loves to quilt. It gives her life. And so she was depriving herself of the opportunity to quilt because she felt like she needed to get more hours and more clients in. But it was just this never-ending battle. And she was watching in the corner of her office, her quilting machine, her sewing machine, just collecting dust. And it made her sad multiple times a day. When she flipped the script and she decided that she would quilt on a regular basis, she became alive again. (laughs) She had the joy. It gave her the courage and the confidence to go after landing some really great clients, which is what she's done. So I want you to consider active discernment number two. What is it that I am feeding myself and what do I need in order to be nourished enough, resourced enough to make the decisions that lead me in the direction I really want to go? Active discernment number three is to ask the question, what is it that I value? Now, we could spend a whole episode on that. And really, at its essence, I think many of our episodes boil down to what it is that we value because we want to make sure that this career you have, it is part of your life. You are one whole being. The hours you put into work are also hours of your life. And so we want to make sure that the decisions you're making are in alignment with your values. So if you haven't checked in in a little while, now is a good moment to pause and consider what is it? that I value? And will this decision before me allow me to live into that value or not? And if the answer is or not, it means it's not for you right now. Doesn't mean you say no to this thing forever, but it might mean a not for you right now. Now, an example of that could be that we here have this amazing media team behind us now at at Everybody Thrive. We love them. They've offered to make us more content. But I am aware that the idea of creating more videos and more content than we're currently doing right now would just be exhausting to me. (laughs) I know it would be good for business, but I know it would be exhausting for me. And my business is built upon my values and my foundation, right? So the awareness is we absolutely want to create more video content, but we've started to ask ourselves, A, what do I need in order for that to happen? Part of that is I need to set up a proper studio so it's super easy to do that. And B, is this in alignment with my values? And right now I've got enough on my plate. One of my values is spaciousness. So it means for not right now, not this month, will we be creating a ton of new social media content? We'll do that when the time is right down the road. So I want you to consider what is it that you value and is this opportunity or choice, how can you make it in alignment with what you know is important to you? Now let's talk about the fourth act of discernment that women who are thriving in their careers know. They ask the question, what is my body telling me? Or another way of saying that is what does my body know to be true? And there have been a number of episodes where this has been a recurring theme for us, whether it's the episode with Susie Banks-Baum about tapping into your own holy knowing, and I'll put a link to that, or the episode with Dana LeMay, where we talk about no longer doing what it is that drains you. These are all examples of women who have tapped in to their knowing. Another episode with Lakshmi Volker about the way she started her yoga empire came from listening to her own body's knowing. And I'll put a link to that one in the show notes here too. But women who thrive, they begin to be in conversation with their physical resources and discern how things feel in their body. 
See, we have our intellect, and that is an important resource, but we have many other resources available to us, one of them being our physical body. It tells us things. So I'll give you an example of one of my clients who had a pretty extreme circumstance a few years ago where her body, just one thing after another, began to shut down. She went to the hospital with what started like heartburn, and she ended up in there thinking she was having a full-on heart attack. Her systems were struggling. Her doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. And as she sat with it, she realized that her body had been giving her messages at work for years. She would get heartburn on a regular basis on the days where she stayed later at work than she really wanted to. She would get tension in her shoulders when her boss would talk down to her. She would get a knot in her stomach every time she watched somebody else take one of her ideas and not give her credit for it. But she ignored each of those things. She saw them as isolated incidents. She didn't realize that her body was telling her something until it was screaming at her until it actually became a matter of life and death. And I'll tell you, from all my years being the live-in coach, I have been with many a famous person who has literally worked themselves into the hospital. It has gotten that serious before they've learned to listen to their body. So hopefully you haven't gotten to that point yet. And if you have, all the more reason to consider, what is it that my body's telling me here? So we had a wonderful woman who came to our podcast pajama party when we were celebrating 10,000 listeners a couple months ago, Cindy. And Cindy gave us permission to share her story about how after listening to some of our episodes, she's begun to leverage her body's information. And she used this outside of work. She and her family were getting ready to move. And it just felt like such a daunting task to find a new place in the area that she lived in doesn't have a lot of places available. So she felt a lot of pressure if she found a spot that she was just so hopeful that it would be the one. Each spot needed to be the perfect spot. And she realized that was giving her such a feeling of panic and tension in her body. And so she decided the next time she went to look at places, she would just feel what it felt like to be in them. And she said, Carly, oh my gosh, this simplified the whole process. She's like, when I walked into a house, I could just feel whether or not I wanted to be there. I didn't have to overthink it. I didn't have to hem and haw for hours. If it didn't feel good in my body, I wouldn't say yes. And lo and behold, when she did walk into a home that felt right, she felt so good in making that decision. She knew that this was a place where she would want to reside on a regular basis. Now, this happened to be happening around the time of COVID. And so thank goodness she decided in a home for her family that she's been happy to be in on a more regular basis. So in doing this, she circumvented the process of going round and round and round and hemming and hawing in her own head by looking at things on paper. And she invited her body as one of the resources to help make this decision. So a quick recap on these four acts of discernment. Number one, is this even about me? And if so, to what level do I need to be involved? Number two, what am I feeding myself? What nourishment do I need? Number three, what is it that I value? And how does this thing before me relate or not to those values? And number four, what is my body telling me to be true right now? Now, what I want to point out here as we look at these four areas of discernment and figure out what is right for you, when I say, does something feel right? I'm not talking about trying to be perfect. This is not about trying to control the perfect or the quote right outcome. We don't get to choose every outcome, but we do get to choose how we show up in the process. 
So it's not about getting the details right. It's about taking right action. Right action is any action that gives you and potentially others more life, more zest, more opening to the possibility of expansiveness and joy or your values. Right action is what feels true. So don't worry about getting all the details right or how it works out. That's none of our business anyway. We couldn't control it if we wanted to. But what we do have input over is noticing what does feel true or right within us and then taking action in alignment with that internal sense of right. So let's talk a little bit here about this third segment. Maybe you've been waiting for this part because now we're going to be very specific about the steps to honing your own discernment. Now I'm going to guide you through 10 steps here. Some of them are short. Some of them are going to require you to actually pause. I really encourage you to get a piece of paper and write these down. Don't just listen if you're driving or you're on your commute and you can't write right now. I get it. But later on, write these down and begin to live into them. So decision number one in terms of honing your discernment is you've got to notice that a choice can be made. (laughs) That's huge. and It seems obvious, right? But so often it's not. When we default, it's because we've forgotten that this is actually a moment where choice could be initiated, where discernment could be engaged. So first things first, women who thrive pause and they applaud that they've noticed that this is an opportunity for choice. That in and of itself, especially if you are new to making conscious decisions, is a win. Just noticing places where you could implement a decision. Number two in this step-by-step process is to check the urgency. I want you to pause and consider whether or not you need to answer on the spot. There is so much false urgency out there. I know we feel, I know I do to this day, every ding that happens on my email makes me feel like, oh gosh, I've got to check that. I've got to see what that is. Not true. Not necessarily, right? Might we dare to pause and be really thoughtful about our responses? Number three, the third step here is I'd like for you to get a little bit more resourced. Now, when I say a little bit more resource, I want you to ask yourself the question, what do I need to feel 3% more like my best? Meaning, do I need to grab a snack? Do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to sit down for a moment? Do I need to listen to something inspiring? What do I need to really give myself the resources to make this good decision? Because we know that most of us don't make our best decisions when we have to make knee-jerk responses, when we're feeling crunched or scarce for time or for energy. We want to make sure that you have as much space as possible around this. So the third step is consider your resources. What would 3% more um, being resourced look like for you right now? And then number four is go do that. (laughs) Go do that thing, right? We can't just talk about this stuff. We've got to do it. So give yourself in this decision the courtesy and the respect to be resourced when you make it. Now, number five, I want you to consider, is this my brick? Meaning, is this about me? If it's not about you, you can skip to the last step, right? But if it is about you, then we continue on in this process. So if it is about you, or there's some level at which you do need to be involved in this, Then number six is I want you to list the options before you. What are the obvious options? So for example, if you're considering taking a job and not taking a job, there's two obvious options. Yes and no. Yes, I take this job and no, I don't take this job. But then number seven, I want you to pause and consider 
are there other options that I haven't thought of yet? So there's option to take the job or not take the job, but maybe there's also an option to ask a few more questions and get clear about the information you need or to talk with somebody who works at that company and see what their experience is like or to put your resume out for another job opportunity to see if there's more than one fish in the pond for you. Sometimes we need to ask for help on this one. So if you're drawing a full blank and you've got somebody in your life who's non-judgmental and super supportive, this is a great opportunity to give them a call and say, okay, just weighing my options here. Do you see any that I might not be thinking of? And then number eight is where we get a little bit playful. In this step of making your decision, I want you to consider trying on your options like hats. And what I mean when I say that is I want you to consider what it would feel like to choose one of these things before you've made any official proclamation out loud to anybody else to consider. So for example, if you're considering staying with your current job or leaving your current job, pretend for a day that you've decided to stay with the job. Make decisions and thoughts and experience the day and what it feels like to know that you would be staying with that job. And then try the other one. For the next day, perhaps you consider what it would feel like if you resigned. What might that be like? What would you notice if this was what you pretend you're doing? There is valuable information here in just trying things on. So consider that. And if you know, you you wouldn't buy a hat without trying it on. By golly, I hope you won't make important life decisions without trying them on for a moment and noticing what they feel like. Now, number nine is important here because this is the reality check. If there are multiple good choices before you, I want you to pick the one that brings you closer to your values or a sense of joy or a sense of zest or delight, right? And if all the choices feel that way, then you know you can't go wrong. And we're going to talk about that in a moment at number 10. But if all the choices don't feel that great, sometimes that happens too, especially if we talk about voting right now. Maybe none of the candidates feel that great to you. Maybe none of them is a standout rock star to you. Well, in that case, we want to ask the question of the choices before me, which one feels 1% more true? And we vote for that 1%, whether you're voting for a political candidate or whether you're voting upon the decision before you outside of politics. If it's 1% better, well, then it's better. And in that moment, that's the best we can do. Now, number 10 is really important. Number 10 is when you let yourself off the hook. You have made the decision, the best one you could with the information before you based on where you are in your current life experience. This is the part where you offer yourself grace. Discernment takes time, but really requires thoughtfulness and a willingness to treat yourself and the decisions you make with that positive regard I was mentioning earlier. But this process, A, it does get faster in many situations as we begin to learn it. You might be able to drop into your body quicker. You might get a better sense of what brings you joy or what brings you life. Or once you're clear on your values, you'll know when something is or isn't in alignment with that. But B, it also gives you back so much time. When you don't default to taking on work, whether that's intellectual work, physical labor, emotional work, and then needing the time to recover from having made a decision that didn't actually work for you. Like when we talked about that example way early on about the evening binge, you know, when you decide to do so much work that now all you can do is come home and binge, that whole recovery time outside of the actual work you've done is additional time that's gone down the drain. So our goal here in making decisions, it's not to be perfect. Our goal 
is to be present. It's to address your life and your career and the things before you in real time. It's to tend to what needs tending. This is how we reclaim ourselves and our place in our careers and beyond. It's how we make progress and enjoy the present moment at the same time. I think about it like this. Our careers and our lives are like a vast open sea. There's any number of possibilities and you are the boat. Now we don't get to pick the weather pattern. We don't get to pick the height of the waves or whether or not it's sunny or stormy, but we do get to steer the vessel. So based on this question before me, based on this thing that you have the opportunity to make a decision around, what direction do you want to steer your boat? Can you steer it closer to what feels true? So I want to know from you, based on this conversation around discernment, I know we covered a lot and thank goodness it's recorded, but what is one thing you don't want to forget? Was it one specific act of discernment or something else that I mentioned, or perhaps something that's bubbling up within you? Remember, this is the start of the conversation. I want you to take that on over to iTunes, leave a review with it in there, or tag me on social media on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn so that we can keep this conversation going. This doesn't need to be one-sided. I am here with you for the long haul. Remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including your own discernment. And I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.